This is why regeneration is critical because we can't remove guilt in our own power. We get stuck in a performance trap, approval of others trap, the blame game trap. There is no way out. And so things can't stop the process. These things, these philosophies of men and these behaviors cannot stop the process of emotional renewal in our lives. Only Jesus can do that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you have to do the work on. It's not something you can order out for. It's not something that you can pay someone else to do. Instead, it is something that you have to do. But we can come alongside you to encourage you to help train up your brain so that you're making good quality decisions and ultimately grow your faith mm-hmm. so that you know what you believe and why you believe it. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but Salty Pastor Podcast doesn't work without a salty pastor. So we have our very own Dr. Douglas <laughs> Peak. Well, I'm I'm a pastor. I am salty. I guess those two come together. It's good to be here. Uh, everyone, I'm glad that uh, you are tuning in and we're going to try to talk a little bit about the mechanics on how to heal emotionally and how God does it. Yeah, we are in our series titled Higher Value, and we've tried to discuss a few things over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, how our value influences all our decisions and experiences in life. Number two, the only real part to change is to really wait. I mean, really the only way to change is to go upstream and focus on our sense of value. Right. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately number three, Jesus work on the cross and his resurrection is all about transforming our value spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. The biggest question I have left pastor is (laughs) how do we do this how do we we actually experience emotional renewal emotional healing emotional restoration i know there's several people in my life that have gotten a lot out of this um series it's very timely for them but they're they're left with the question of okay i understand why and what this is but i need the how pastor yes. i need the well how. and there's a you know and we have to work through this little logical incongruence and that is well if god does all the work jesus did the work to re- justify me in redemption he reconciles me through redemption and uh propitiation has paid the price so i, I can't earn it you know so what do i some people think well there's nothing you do which of course isn't true because you have to receive it and satan tries to stop you from receiving it from allowing it to change you to you to experience it and i think he gets us in these emotional traps we talked about a performance trap the need for acceptance trap the blame game trap these different things uh today though i think we got to talk about the overarching issue that happens in every single trap and everything throughout our lives and that's guilt it's the issue of guilt and you know that there's guilt when you become subconscious of things or, or you know, or self-conscious of things. Um, I knew this gal one time who she was uh, a super cute, bubbly woman. She had this, you know, uh, pixie cut, you know, yeah. and so she and she had that personality for uh, a pixie cut. She's a life of the party. And she told me one time um, she's really self-conscious all the time about her smile. And mm. I was like what? I mean, everybody loves your smile. I mean, everybody loves your, your, you're so vivacious. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, this guy, he was a stranger. And he, he just commented one time that, you know, I had a crooked smile. 
Mm. And ever since then, I've been so self-conscious of it. I thought how interesting so much of her persona and her personality is based on this notion that she's not enough, right? And so, of course, that means she feels guilty about who she is. Uh, I know, I know a guy, Gary, he, he's self-conscious about being too short, right? Uh, he, there's guys who are self women who are self-conscious about being too tall, mm-hmm. you know? Um, my wife is probably four or five inches shorter than me in any picture you see, you know, but what happened is she was saying one time about how she grew really early. So like in fourth grade or fifth grade, she towered over all the boys. So she was really self-conscious about being too tall. Right. Which in my family, she's super short. Right. She's the is, short one in your yeah, family. Yeah, she's which short is one in the family, something. which is really interesting. Um, uh, a guy, you know, a lot of people are self-conscious about their teeth. You know, I got a gap in my teeth. My teeth aren't straight. My teeth aren't white enough, you know. And I'm just pointing these things out to show is that people become really self-conscious of really insignificant little things, right? And so, and here's the connection. What we're self-conscious of is what traps us from growing emotionally mature because we are caught in one of those traps, blame game. You know, we're self-conscious of physical attributes. Some people are self-conscious of uh, personality qualities or uh, spiritual quality, you know, all kinds of things. But what happens is that's a, that's a blame game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, if I didn't have this gap in my teeth, people would like me more. Right. See, I'd be accepted more. So anyway, long and short of it is that's the, that's the issue. That's why regeneration now, which is the final thing, and this is the how. Regeneration is so important to your faith because what it does is as you get regenerated uh, emotionally, renewed emotionally, you begin to develop more self-confidence and self-worth because it's not based on worldly things. It's based on what God has done. So really, in the end, it's all about regeneration. Okay. Uh, do you want to define regeneration for us? Because, I mean, I, I, I understand that's the how, but I don't understand what you mean by that. So, <laughs> Well, uh, y- you know, in uh, seminary, they talk a lot about regeneration and different aspects of it. But regeneration is basically the transformational work of Jesus in your life as you follow him. So as you are following him, uh, you might learn something. So your mind is renewed. That creates regeneration. You see things in a different perspective. Sometimes you'll have, you're following Jesus and you do something really hard. You go through a difficult experience. Your faith is tested. Guess what? You're stronger. And emotionally, you change. That's regeneration. So regeneration is like uh, spiritual growth. It's mental growth. It's emotional growth. It's it's the discovering of wisdom. It's, it's kind of, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's all these things fall under this umbrella called regeneration. And that is, is that you just weren't saved you, uh, and set free. You're now being made into a new creation and you have to learn how to live in it and walk in it. And that in essence is what regeneration is. You know, um, I, I knew a guy, a long time ago, gosh, this was, I think, even before I moved to Idaho. But he traded options for a living. And an options traders are, a lot of it's done online now. But back then, you know, you'd go into this big pit and, and you know, they would 
trade them and people are yelling and screaming at each other and you're writing this down. You're trying to do all this stuff back and forth. And in options, there's always a winner and a loser. It's not like stocks. Zero sum. Yeah, it's zero sum game. So you're in there, boom, you're doing that. And he like had an ulcer and his hair's falling out and he was 30 pounds overweight and all this kind of stuff like that. And so it's like, man, I got to change my job or I'm going to die. And what happened is he went to a conference that talked about value and knowing God, he became a Christian. And then what happened is within about 18 months, his entire demeanor changed. He lost 30 pounds, not because he went on a diet and you know, his hair started to grow back and he wasn't stressed out anymore, even though he was still trading options, right? He was like this calm and people were like, what in the world has happened to you? Right. And he's like, well, I met God. I can't explain it. My, I have been totally changed. The stress and the pressure of success and failure has fallen away. Um, I, I knew of a woman who was super unhappy in her marriage. Okay. She, she was ready to get divorced. She was like, I'm going to go talk to a divorce lawyer. But what happened is she went to, to a counselor to say, you know, basically get rationalization for divorcing her husband. And the counselor, who was a woman, basically said to her is that, I hate to tell you this, but you're the problem, not your husband. Mm. And so she was a biblical counselor. And so she really spent a lot of time on value and your value and you have to give up this control and manipulation and everything. So what happened is she turned it all over to God. And I don't mean she had this, you know, epiphany one day, okay, God, it's all yours. But it was a process of growth right. of regeneration is a process. And what happened though, is her attitude in her marriage completely changed. And what happened is it, it changed the dynamic of the home and her husband completely changed. And this is what was so amazing is she wanted all of these things from her husband. She didn't get them. So she was angry and controlling and felt, uh, you know, unloved and rejected and all this kind of stuff. And he's trying to, but he doesn't know it's all confusing. She changes, she's regenerated, right? She changes, it changes the whole dynamic. And suddenly he doesn't feel threatened and insecure about who he is. So he just starts being who he, he was before he married her, which is who she fell in love with. And she ended up receiving all of the things that she wanted and, but she didn't receive them until she was willing to let go of the need to receive them. Isn't mm. that odd? Yes. <laughs> but that, that's how regeneration works. And that is, you know, you're being regenerated according to Galatians chapter five, where it says the fruit of the spirit is evident. And then he lists all this stuff out and you go, Oh, well, it doesn't mean that, uh, I have all that stuff in my life right now, but am I growing in these areas? Is this fruit starting to come out of my life a little bit more, a little bit more? And then you are going to see, wow, I am being regenerated by God. This is why it's such a critical part of spiritual growth or faith, because in the end, what it does is it develops within you this self worth, this value of who God is. God is to will and to work within us but we can interfere with the process. And that's why these verses are so important. I want you to listen to them. The first one is uh, Paul wrote to Titus chapter three. That's chapter of the book. He goes, verse three. At one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. You see, we lived in malice and envy. You know, that's interesting. Malice and envy. We were hated 
and hating other people. But when the kindness and love of God, our savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. And this is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. Notice how he says, I want you to stress it, talk about it, teach it, preach it, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good, doing these things. For these things are excellent and profitable for every one. So I see in this, um, Paul discusses justification, Mm -hmm. and then he calls us heirs, Mm -hmm. which is a reconciliation, right? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Once we're justified and reconciled, Jesus can really start beginning his work of renewal in us, right? Yeah, yeah, and we don't want to interfere with that. We have to focus on it, right? And this is why in Colossians, he writes chapter two, verse six, he goes, so then just as you have received Christ, Jesus is Lord. So that means I've been now redeemed, right? I've been justified and reconciled. Continue to live your lives in him. So if I reject living my life in him, then guess what happens? I'm interfering with the regeneration process. process. Yeah. He says, uh, you need to be rooted and built up in him. You need to be strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one, this is very important. Verse eight takes you captive. So even though I am regenerate, I am a citizen of heaven. I have been justified and reconciled. I can still be taken captive after that happens, right? He says, you could be taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision, not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off. Notice how he says this. My self was ruled by my fleshly desires. It was put off when I was circumcised by Christ. Does this mean a physical circumcision? No, he's talking about a spiritual circumcision of your heart. You have been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So regeneration is like being resurrected, right? It's this process of renewal. When you were dead in your transgressions and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He took it all away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities. Well, who's he disarming? The people that were condemning us and holding it against us, right? He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross. So I see once again, Paul is discussing justification and reconciliation when he talks about spiritual circumcision. Yeah, circumcision. That's a tongue twister, isn't it? (laughs) Spiritual circumcision. 
In verse 14, he says, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, this is what you've been talking about, the, the propitiation, yeah. the mechanism by which we we see justification and reconciliation through God, right? Yes, absolutely. That There was a legal indebtedness against us. It kind of is held against us. And this is why we feel guilty all the time, because we still believe that there's something against us. Right. Right. Even And, and it's ourselves who thinks that there's something against ourselves, because we feel inadequate. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote the following, verse 17. He says, so I tell you this, I insist on it. So it's interesting. I'm not, I insist. Pay attention. Yeah, you, you can't get around this. I'm sorry. Until you figure this out, you can't go anywhere. I insist that you do this, right? You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So they're thinking in a way that is futile. They are darkened in their understanding. Okay, so something, they, they're trying to understand something, but they're not getting it. In other words, you look at people and they keep doing the same thing over and over again and it's so destructive. You know, I see girls who go out with guys that are really bad for them all the time. And it's like, well, this new bad boy will be different. And you're like, okay, we're into 15 guys here. We've already tried this so many times. Why do you, why, well, you know, there's something wrong with your radar, you know, kind of a thing. He says, look, he says they're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. In other words, they haven't turned on the light bulb yet that shows, oh, this is what's going on. He goes, the reason they don't turn on the light bulb, he says, is because the hardening of their hearts. You see, they've lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They're full of greed. They just want more of this sensuality. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So in all of these passages, we see justification, reconciliation, mm -hmm. and propitiation. Yes. We also see a challenge to live according to what was done in us. So let's, let's get into the how. I mean, if Jesus has done all the work to save me, the doctrine of grace uh, it, it exists, then is there anything I can do to experience regeneration? It sounds like all the work's been done already. Yeah, let's go back and look at some of those verses in Titus. He says, we were once deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Okay, so my passions and pleasures can stop the process of regeneration and renewal, right? Particularly if I just continue to feed my passions and my desires, right? Because they will continue to deceive me. Right. Even though I can be justified and I can be reconciled, I can be taken captive. Well, in Colossians, how, do, how can I be taken captive? Through the hollow and deceptive philosophies. So the other, another part of the how is what is it that I actually believe? What is my ideological bent? What's my definition of what it means to be a human being? Do I believe that my sexual desires are my identity or not? Do I believe what I eat is my identity or not? And has the capacity to heal me emotionally, you know? Do uh, the, the people that I hang out with, you know, do I, am, do I ideologically believe that these people that are not followers of Christ and living their own thing, um, those relationships are really good for me, you know, to be like them. You see, we have to uh, really 
not be taken captive by these uh, deceptive philosophies, okay? Um, in Ephesians, when he wrote, look, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So I, I can live in certain ways that create a futility of my thinking about how God wants to work in my life. So, so the how has to do with how you think, how you live, what you do each day. And it, is it aligning you more with what Christ wants to do in you? Or are you completely uh, antithetical or counter to what he's trying to do? He, he can still work in you, but boy, you can just slow down that process, mm -hmm. you know? And so you think of the parable of the soils, right? Um, you know, the, uh, Jesus says in uh, Matthew, I think it's 13 or it's Luke 13. I can't remember, but he just basically says, look, uh, sower goes out to sow seed and he throws some, some lands on the path, some lands in rocky soil, some lands among the weeds and some lands in good soil. And then the disciples go, okay, that's awesome. What in the world were you talking about? So Jesus goes back and explains the parable, which is really interesting because he doesn't really explain his parables very often. But he, he almost intentionally leaves them pretty yeah, big, right? Yeah, he does. But in, in this situation, he goes, okay, you guys, you really need to get this. The seed is the gospel. It's the truth of Christ, the redemptive act of Jesus in your life. And he says, look, the evil one comes and snatches it away from some people. They just don't want to hear it. They hear It falls on deaf ears. You know, they're, they're the hardened path. They don't care. Yeah, so what? They have, a, uh, they have bought into a, a philosophy of man that has so hardened them against anything else. The, the second one was, if there's no root, he says, the, the rocky soil, what happens is the sun comes up, it scorches it because there's no root. And he says, this is what happens is there's no uh, depth because suffering and persecution strike the person and it turns them away from God. It's like, well, I don't want this. I didn't sign up for this, right? As soon as they get a hard time. I thought Jesus was going to take all my problems away. Right. And so as soon as they, the first hard time they get, they're done. Okay. The third thing he says is tears the weeds, choke it out and kill it. Well, Jesus says the, the weeds are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out and there's no fruit. So you can believe in God, but you're so worried about this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, remember what he was saying in all those passages every single time he talked about deception to Titus, deception to the Colossians and deception to the Ephesians. Mm. So how we think has a huge impact on this regenerative process, right? And so I, I think he, what he's saying is that you have to understand that, uh, is your heart hardened? Do you have any depth? Have you been through persecution yet or suffering for your faith? And where are you at on the worries of life? All you have to take into account. How do I get regenerated emotionally is I have to take into account these factors. You know, McGee organizes in search for significance, all of these issues that stop us from being renewed emotionally and dealing with the guilt at the deepest level of our souls in, into the following categories. The first one he says is this, is that we have the wrong motives for spiritual growth. We have the wrong motives for healing. We, we want to heal emotionally so that people will like us. Mm -hmm. That we'll be better. Okay, that, that doesn't. A lot of, I know a lot of women who want to heal emotionally so they can get married again. It's like, okay. Let's get through this process so I can <laughs> do the next thing. Yeah, and it's like, okay, that's the wrong motive. So you're not going to heal and you're not going to learn anything. I remember years ago. There's one thing I say is like, I say, guys and gals, if you've gone through a divorce, you shouldn't date anybody, shouldn't even go out on a date. You shouldn't think or flirt with another 
person for at least two years after the date that your divorce was finalized. finalized. Okay. The papers are signed and it's done. From that point, you shouldn't do anything for two years. So I had this guy one time, he walked into my office and he said, hey, it's two years to the day and I want to date this girl and marry her. <laughs> you obviously didn't get the point. <laughs> right? Because this is the second thing that McGee says is that sometimes we use a mechanical approach, right? It's like, oh, if I, I want to get in shape, right? So I need to do 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, and then I need to eat this salad for lunch. And so some people without thinking, they go, I'm going to do this, 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 and that, and then I'm going to get this result. And then they go, how come I haven't lost any weight? And it's like, well, first of all, because you're not committed to the process, you're not really wanting to get in shape, you just want to lose some weight, and you think that you can just go through these mechanical steps and it's going to happen because at night you're just eating whatever you want. Right. <laughs> so a lot of people do that. Well, if I pray this prayer and I do this thing and I go to church and I'm going to grow spiritually. Well, not necessarily. Your opportunity for growth may increase, but if you think it's a formula, it won't happen. And then the opposite of it is true as well. Uh, McGee says, look, we have a mystical approach, okay? And this is what's really interesting. People are really wounded uh, emotionally, so they seek out emotional experiences in the kingdom of God, thinking that will heal them emotionally, and it doesn't. Because you can't heal an emotional trauma with an emotional experience. Right. It's like, oh, I got to go and have this mountaintop experience with God and this charismatic and environment. And all of my previous trauma. Yeah. And then what you do is you realize, man, that lasts for a few days, then you need it again. And you, what you do is you start living for this emotional pump you up thing. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, sometimes it's a lack of knowledge, McGee says. You just, you, you're not taking the time to learn. To, to really push into it, lean into it, figure it out. Uh, and one of the biggest ones I think that a lot of, is that we harbor sin. We harbor sin. We, we have some sins. We love these sins. We just hang on to them and we harbor them. And these things end up coming back to stop us from growing. So when you talk about, well, how do we do it? Well, number one, we got to get our motives right with God and say, look, I need to stop God and I just need to heal. Right. You know, number two, I can't use a formula. I've got to be able to willing to do whatever I need to do to be healed. When you go see a doctor and the doctor says, Hey, take these three pills and do these three things. And then they can cure anything under the sun that makes you a little suspect. Yeah. <laughs> you want a doctor that says, well, this is what you got. And this is the actual protocol, the gold standard for care for this infirmity. And you're like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Well, you got to look at it that way. So you need to spend some time diagnosing. Because right. what you've got is different than anybody else. You're unique and you're special, okay? Um, next is what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get knowledge of how you need to grow spiritually. One, one of the things in our family that we do is we'll have some in-depth talk. My, my kids now that are adults and they'll come back and visit or we'll get in a talk and they ask, you know, really valuable, deep questions about, you know, I'm really struggling with this and blah, 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 blah. And what's one of the things we say is, well, if you're, if you have one parent that this way and you have another parent that way, then that could probably influence 
how you're experiencing this and working through this. Right. And then we always say, at least you get it honestly. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, you, you got, you got the good stuff, but also you got all of the idiosyncrasies that we have and our flaws as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's an honest thing. So sometimes a lack of knowledge and digging in, this is why in counseling, they sit down and they always want to talk about your past and talk about your family of origin and talk about all this, not so much to dwell on it, but to try to, uh, bring up your level of knowledge and awareness of how your past is influencing your future. But the other thing too, is this, is that, um, lack of emotional renewal is often 100% stopped by guilt. And we carry a lot of guilt because we harbor really big sins. Mm. And the interesting thing about it is we don't want to admit it's a sin or we don't, we keep it a secret and we don't want to have to deal with it. You know, I think of, I think of like, like people who have addictions, you know, they, they have a chemical addiction or maybe they have addiction to alcohol, people who have addictions to gambling or risk taking. So, you know, a lot of women I know have addictions to, uh, Hallmark movies and romance novels. <laughs> and uh, I'm not joking. They do. They just live for that stuff. Um, and that's the one thing that helps them emotionally feel better about themselves. I know a lot of men are addicted to pornography. Uh, people are addicted to risk taking and adrenaline junkies. People are, uh, I mean, addicted to making money and closing deals and building their empire. You know, people, all of these things come from a root motivation of, I don't feel I'm enough. So I need something to make me feel better or do better. And what's interesting is it just becomes a, a self-feeding loop. You know, it's like a, right. a feedback loop on a sound system. It just, and it produces guilt, but guilt is what drives it in the first place. You know, you feel guilty. So I don't want to feel guilty. I want to feel enough. And so you do whatever it is to pump you up. And then you turn around and of course, then that makes you feel more guilty. And so it becomes this cycle of behavior. So the inability to resolve psychological guilt, which is different than positional guilt. We'll talk about that on Thursday a little bit, but the inability to resolve psychological guilt from your life is the primary reason why you're not experiencing any emotional renewal in your life. This is why regeneration is critical because we can't remove guilt in our own power. We get stuck in a performance trap, approval of others trap, the blame game trap. There is no way out. And so things can't stop the process. These things, these philosophies of men and these behaviors cannot stop the process of emotional renewal in our lives. Only Jesus can do that. And only the power of his Holy Spirit can do that. It's not a self-help program. It is a turn to Jesus and allow him to do what he needs to do in your life process. And only then will you find emotional renewal. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for sharing all that with us. We're out of time today, but I'm really excited to see where you take this how on Thursday okay. to show us more of this emotional renewal and regeneration that Jesus promises us. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings on you.